I do have a couple of praise reports from Stainer Camp. First of all, I just want to thank uh, the church. I want to thank the leadership here at Trinity and thank all of you uh, for releasing me to go uh, to three weeks of family camp this year. I mean, that, it was a lot. And I'm very thankful. Um, at Mishwa, we did two weeks. Um, I was able to serve on the worship uh, at the family camp at Mishawa. And then at Stainer, uh, just over a week ago, I was there again. Um, actually, this was our first time going to Stainer for family camp. And uh, I was the speaker there. Uh, it's quite intense at Stainer. They do ter- two services, morning and evening. So, But it was great. Um, a couple, couple Sundays ago, it was, it was two Sundays ago where, <clears throat> where, you, where you prayed for me uh, that God would uh, anoint the time and the ministry. Um, and during that prayer, if you remember, Rebecca, where's Rebecca? Uh, hey, that was a word of knowledge because Rebecca was like, let there be baptisms. And um, I don't think I would have suggested that um, if we didn't pray for that, Rebecca. You know, I don't think I would have even done that. Because on the Tuesday night at Stainer, I was sharing my testimony. And um, I had a, we had an altar call uh, afterwards where people could come up to the front, um, pray. It was just a beautiful time, actually, after my sermon on the Tuesday night. Um, people came up and they were praying for their, their, their children or their siblings or or people who needed to know Jesus, and it turned into a really beautiful prayer meeting. And uh, during that time, I just, you know, because of that prayer, I was like, you know, I just have this sense that we're going to see some baptisms this week. And uh, sure enough, that night, uh, one person said, I want to get baptized. And it was a seven-year-old girl. And uh, we're like, yeah, okay, you know, talk to your dad. And the the father was very excited about that. And... Um, so we were like, okay, well, we'll have the baptism service on, a, on the Saturday of family camp. And uh, just so, you know, it would give people time to pray about it and, and to make that decision. Um, and so Saturday comes along and we had four by, by the time the baptism service was going to happen. And um, so these four people were baptized. Uh, I think the ages ranged from six to about like 16. And um, then... Tim Loveday, who's the executive director of, Stain, or of, of you know, the EMC camps, was like, listen, if there's anyone else who would like to be baptized, the, the tank's here, let's do it. And five more people came up to get baptized. And so we saw nine baptisms. And you know the beautiful thing about this was it was fathers baptizing their daughters. It was so beautiful, and I'm like, oh, man, I can't wait till I get to do this, you know? And so it was just a beautiful thing. And afterwards, um, one of the fathers came up to me, and he was just so thankful. Um, they, this one particular family, he actually baptized two of his daughters. Um, they were going through a, a rough time in life, and um, a lot of tough decisions were needed to be made. And uh, he was saying, you know, a lot of the sermons that I preached actually spoke right into those situations. And then, um, then his daughters got baptized. And so it was just a powerful week for them. And they were just so thankful to be there. Um, and you know what? I think it was an answer to your prayers. Um, I, I could not do that 
uh, without you, without the prayers that you prayed here at Trinity. So thank you so much uh, for that. Again, thank you for um, releasing me to go. God did amazing things. It was so cool. Um, just a little bit more of an update, um, and I promise this is going to ease right into the sermon this morning. So the camp uh, theme this year for Mishua and Stainer was, was this, hope anchors my soul, and in his presence I find joy. And I remember when Tim Loveday was like, hey James, can you preach at Stainer? This is the theme. I'm like, <laughs> that's like my life theme. I mean, that's, that's who I am. I, this is what I preach. Yes, I, I definitely will preach. And so um, the seven sessions that I was there to preach were all centered around this theme of hope. And um, on Wednesday evening, <clears throat> I was after my Wednesday evening talk, I came back to the lodge and um, I was getting ready for the Thursday morning talk. And I had it all planned out. I had an idea of what I was going to preach. But I just had this growing sense that it wasn't what I was supposed to preach. And let me tell you something. That's scary when you have a feeling like that. I mean, the next morning, it was already 10 p.m. And I'm like, this can't be good. I just had this growing, like, the peace. I didn't have peace, you know? And so I was like, what's going on? And, and I'm going over my notes, and I'm like, it's just not clicking. And so I thought, oh, I, hate, I know when this happens, God has something else in mind. I'm like, God, really? Couldn't you tell me, like, three days earlier, you know, but I took it to the Lord. I just, you know, prayed for a moment and I was like, what, what do you want me to say, Lord? And the Lord just placed it in my heart. It's like this idea just boom came up. Teach on hearing God's voice. And I was like, okay, I could do that. We do the Hearing God seminars here at Trinity, and this is, you know, something that I've spoken at Trinity before. I thought, okay, that's, okay. Now, here's the thing. I wasn't 100% sure that that was God, okay? I'll be honest with you. Yes, this idea came, and I'm like, oh, man, it's 10 p.m. I'm preaching tomorrow morning. I need to do something here, and that idea came. So I was looking through my notes, and I was putting th some things together, and I was like, is this really what you want me to do, God? Because I don't know. I wasn't 100% sure. No real confirmation. So the next morning, I had something, you know, planned out. The next morning, service is about to start. And I'm like, God, is this really what you want me to say? If not, I have plan B. It's okay, right? Again, no confirmation. I'm like, okay. So the worship is happening. The worship's done. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And all of a sudden, Lloyd Fretz. I don't know if those of you, there may be some of you who know this name, Lloyd Fretz. Uh, Lloyd Fretz, Reverend Lloyd Fretz was at one time the district superintendent of our denomination. Uh, he was one time the senior pastor of Plattsville Missionary Church, where Tim Clayton is right now. Um, he was there, and he got up, and he's like, I have a word to share. And so uh, we gave him the mic, and he had a, just a, a word of encouragement uh, to give to the people at camp just before I came up to preach. And he said this, he was like, you know, ever since I was young, I could hear the Lord speak to me. And I would write down uh, the things that the Lord said, sometimes in poems, 
sometimes in my journal. And I have all this stuff, all these experiences of hearing God's voice. And I'm going to compile it and I'm going to write a book. And it's going to teach people how to hear God's voice. And I was like, what? (laughs) Wow, what a confirmation, right? I'm like, that is incredible. And so, you know, Tim Loveday calls me up. I'm like, you're, you're not going to guess what God did. I was like, I was going to preach to you this other sermon, but then last night, you know, and I shared this story that God changed it. And what a confirmation that this is what I'm supposed to be preaching. You know, how to hear from the Lord. And so I taught on hearing God's voice and how God speaks to us primarily through his word. And so I taught on that, and uh, it was just a really cool uh, confirmation, and people were very blessed by that. And so that's really the the segue into this morning's talk as well, because today we're going to be continuing our series on spiritual warfare. In fact, today's the conclusion of the series. Um, We've been camping out on this passage for several weeks now, and uh, today's it. Today's the last one. And so... Uh, The passage that we've been looking at was Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. And I'm just going to read it here for you. It says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And so today, we're going to be talking about the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Would you join me in prayer before we begin? Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is true. And we thank you that we can stand firm in the promises, in the truths that your word brings, especially in times where we are facing trials, especially during times when the enemy is throwing all those darts, those fiery accusations at us. We thank you that your word combats the lies of the enemy. And so, Lord, we, we, we ask that you would anoint this time, this message, that it would, pr- it would be useful to each and every one of us in this place, including myself, that we can stand firm on your word. And so, Lord, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, you may have noticed that as I was reading through Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, especially the part where we talk about the pieces of armor, right? The belt of truth and so on. Especially that part, maybe you notice that the sword of the Spirit, 
the sword, is the only offensive piece of armor in that list. Now, if you were to look at that list, again, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes for your feet, having the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now, I guess the shoes can be somewhat of an offensive piece of weapon. If you remember my talk a few weeks ago, I was saying how the Roman battle sandal had spikes on the bottom for traction. And yeah, I guess you could do some damage with that. But I mean, it was, it was for your feet. It was to protect you. There was the uh, shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. These are all protective gear. This is protective armor. But the sword, the sword is the offensive piece of armor. The sword is used in battle to cause damage to the enemy. The sword is used in battle to subdue the enemy. The sword is used in battle to take out the enemy. And the sword is our offensive armor. The spiritual sword is our offensive armor given to us by God. And I really need to drive home that point. Very clear, very crystal clear, and that is this. That the armor of God is God's. It's given to us from God. It's not something we muster up. God gives it to us. You see, the Christian life is a battle. We battle in this life. We go through trials, hardships. When I first became a Christian, it was great. There were great times of experiencing joy in His presence. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. But man, there were battles. Deep, deep battles. But the amazing thing is that God is on our side. God is with us. God is for us. And if our God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? Right? God is with us. He's for us. And he gives us all the tools that we need to withstand all the attacks of the enemy. God is with us. And so that is important. We need to know that. And so today we're going to talk about the sword of the Spirit. Now this is an exciting sermon for me. This is, I'm excited to preach this sermon. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm a fighter. I am a fighter. Now, it's not always a good thing, right? It can be negative. But it can be very necessary because, again, life is a battle. Let me tell you something. Church, as Christians, we're fighters. We're called to battle. We battle temptation constantly. It's a battle. We battle circumstances, hardships, trials. We battle discouragement We battle the accusations of the enemy that constantly hurl down at us. It's a battle. We are called to fight as Christians. We are called to do that. We need that. And again, the amazing thing, although it can be a fight, God is with us and he gives us the strength. He gives us the tools. He gives us the armor so that we can stand up and fight. And what we'll find is this, that actually when we stand, God fights for us. It's amazing. But before we get to the exciting part of this message on the sword of the Spirit, we we need to do a little bit of groundwork here on what it really means that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. We need to do some groundwork. Because here's the confusing thing about language. Greek and English is very different. The original language that the New Testament was written in has words that 
really the English language can't really translate to its fullest. And so one of those words is the word word. When you see the word of God in the New Testament, when you see that phrase, word of God, there's two different words for word. Yet in English, there's only one. The first one is the word logos. Logos. And by the way, for those of you who have gone through the Hearing God seminar, this is taken directly from the Hearing God seminar, uh, from session three, which is uh, the Bible is the primary way God speaks to us. And so this will be a review for you. Uh, for others, this may be new to you. But one of the words, translated word, is the word logos. And the word logos is used in the Bible for two different things. First of all, logos is used to personify Jesus The word logos is used to personify Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1, and in verse 14, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That word there in Greek is logos. Logos. The logos was with God, and the logos was God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. In other words, God revealed Himself, expressed Himself, himself, which is what a word does, right? A word expresses things, reveals things, defines things. My, uh, my brother-in-law uh, had a son, has a son. He's, I think he's almost two years old now. He's a little guy. And uh, yesterday I saw him. They're actually moving to California it's pretty sad. We're not going to see them too much. Uh, but um, Ali's brother, he got a job in California, so they're moving. So we're, we're seeing them as much as we can right now. And um, his first word to me um, was uncle. And I was like, whoa, he just said that yesterday. I mean, it was so cool. He went, uncle, right? That one word expressed our relationship who we are, you know, I was like, wow, I'm so proud of him. I'm like, good job, say it again. Uncle. I'm like, yeah, man. You got to say Uncle James now. Uncle. He, doesn't, he can't say the James yet. It'll probably come out as Bames first, right? Like Paisley. <laughs> Bames, past the Bames. But uh, that's what a word does. It expresses things. It reveals things. And so God revealed himself through Jesus. Hebrews 1, it says this, In the past, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. And so, logos, one of the ways that word is used is to describe Jesus. It's to personify Jesus, the logos. The second time, the second way that the word logos is used is to simply mean what God has said. It's describing the Bible. The whole thing, the word, okay? The Logos is the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Ten Commandments, all of that. That is the Logos, the word of God to everyone. And it is the foundation for this second word, translated word, which is the Greek word rhema, okay? The second Greek word is the word rhema. Rhema is the word of God to you personally. When God speaks to you personally, it's a specific message given for a specific reason at a specific time to a specific person. And in that sense, it has a dynamic 
element to it. You read a passage and, I mean, I've heard so many people say, the Bible's alive. God spoke to me through this. I was reading Psalm 23 and it just spoke to me, right? It, the words leapt off the page. There's this dynamic element to it. And God speaks to you. And especially during a time where you needed to hear that. Where you needed that wisdom, that direction, that guidance, that encouragement. When you needed that, all of a sudden the scripture, it's like it highlights, it comes alive. And that is a rhema. It has this dynamic sense to it, right? God's spirit in the word. And that's essentially what the Holy Spirit's role is. To Guide us into all truth to illuminate the scriptures to us to make it practical for our lives so we can apply it in a dynamic way. So in other words, what the Holy Spirit does, he takes the Logos and as we read it, a passage speaks and that is turned into a rhema. So again, two different words in Greek, Logos and rhema, is translated the same word. And what makes it even more confusing is the word of God both words are used to describe or to translate translated the word of God. For instance, in Matthew 4, verse 4, okay, this is the temptation of Jesus. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Maybe you remember this story. And the devil tempts him three times. He says, if you are the son of God, command this, these stones to become bread. And Jesus replies, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That word, word, is actually rhema, not logos. It's rhema. When God speaks something personally to you, you can take that to the bank and come against anything that the enemy tries to combat you with. Rhema. Now back to the sword of the spirit in Ephesians 6. 17, where it says the sword of the Spirit, is the, which is the word of God, that word is actually rhema. That's actually rhema. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God that God personally speaks to you. Let, let, me, let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a situation where you're faced with a decision what do I do here? And I don't know which way to go. And you take a moment and you're in Scripture and God shows you something in Scripture. And it's like, yes, things become clear. Things become more clear. More, you have this encouragement, faith, and wisdom to make the decision. Has that ever happened to you? Or maybe you're going through a, a, a difficult season in your life where Thoughts and accusations and worries and to-do lists and all this stuff, you're just overwhelmed. And God, through his word, just speaks a gentle encouragement through his word. And it makes all that go away. Has that ever happened to you? That is rhema. That's when God speaks out of his logos word directly to you for a specific situation for a specific time, for you. That's what a rhema is. Maybe you've gone through a situation where the enemy is surrounding you on all sides. 
And 1 John 4, 4, you read it and it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I can't tell you how many times that passage has been a sword for me to come against the enemy. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have nothing to fear. In Jesus' name, I command the spirit to be gone now. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I could take that to the bank because it's true. Maybe you, you, you are going through a situation right now where you're overwhelmed. You've got this long to-do list and it just seems like it's never going away. <laughs> like it never goes away. And you're tired. And you read Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. And God begins to speak to you. Listen, you're not a human doing. You're a human being. Just be with me. Rest. Renew your strength in my presence. Maybe God's calling you to do that. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe God will speak to you through that text. And maybe it's speaking right into your circumstance right now. Maybe God will speak to you, Romans 8, where it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. When God's word begins to penetrate the darkness and brings light to our soul, when God's word brings peace to your troubled mind, when God's word brings hope that anchors your soul in times of storms, God is speaking to you, for you. And again, you could take that to the bank and the devil can't take that away from you. It's the sword that you can use to come against every accusation of the enemy. You know, sometimes I wish the enemy would take a break, take a vacation forever, you know. That day will come, church. That day will come. won't be a real vacation. But sometimes I wish you could just stop, just stop. But God has given us his word to come against all those accusations, all those discouragements, all those fear, all the fear and anxiety and worry and all those things that the devil tries to get you all caught up in. Doubt. Especially when God gives you a vision. Doubt. That's one of the fiery darts of the enemy that he just keeps firing at you. On the Thursday morning at Stainer, after I preached this sermon on the rhema, on hearing God's word, God's voice through his word, um, a lot of people came up to me afterwards and they were very thankful for that message. I was like, oh, praise God, right? This, was, this is God's idea, not my idea. But praise God, thank you. Um, and this one gentleman came up to me. He, he was a, he's a retired uh, missionary, former church planter. And uh, he was just thanking me. He's like, wow, you know, uh, that was really powerful. Thank you for that message. And um, he shared a story with me about, you know, many years ago, he planted a church in Oakville. And this church, it was, you know, it was a small church at first, but it began to grow. And they were meeting in a, a rented facility. And God gave him this vision to build a church. And so he brought that to his leadership. The leadership was like, yeah, let's keep, continue to pray about that. And 
um, sounds good, we're growing. Um, they weren't quite at that level where they were, you know, exploding, but they were growing. And, um, but others in the church and in the leadership were like, no, no, we can't build. Not right now, not yet. I mean, we're not at that place yet. And so there were some cl- conflicting uh, visions here. And so this pastor, he took it to the Lord and he was like, God, what, what should I say? Like, what, what do I do here? I thought you gave me that vision. And he opened the word and he opened it to Nehemiah. And this is the, the verse that jumped out at him, he, he told me. It was the rhema that came out at him. And it was this, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we his servants will arise and build. And that verse spoke directly to him for that specific situation and it gave him the faith to stand up and say, we are going to build. And then he told me that the funds just came in. They just came in, came in, came in. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And at that time, that was huge. And they were able to build a church in Oakville. And when the district superintendent came to dedicate that building to the Lord, the DS said this was the first time he has ever dedicated a new church building debt-free. First time. And it was like, praise God. God spoke and he answered. God speaks to us. God guides us through his word. What this pastor experienced was the rhema word of God. God spoke to him, reassured him, gave him faith. And that's the power of the rhema. When God illuminates something and speaks to you personally through his word, with that revelation, with that understanding, with that wisdom, with that hope and that faith. Again, you can face anything that the enemy tries to throw at you because God's word does not return void. Amen? God's word does not return void. When he speaks it, it will accomplish everything it's set out to accomplish. You can truly put your faith in that because it's true. I don't know if I should share this. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. Um, Stainer was good. It was good ministry. We had some hard times with the family. I wasn't around much during the, especially during the time when I was preaching. Um, I couldn't, and it was hard. I'll just say that. It was hard, and um, Allie and I, we, we got into some arguments. The kids were arguing, and I'm like, man, Lord, really? Like, why, why is this happening now? You know, like, what? why is this happening now? I'm supposed to preach on the hope that anchors my soul. And there's a storm in front of me, and it's in my family. What's going on? I was struggling. And, and, and in some ways, I'm like, am I a hypocrite here? Because, like, I'm teaching that, you know, God's the anchor for your storm. Just trust him. And here I am. I'm not trusting him. I'm like, oh, man. I'll be honest with you. It was hard. It was, uh, it was hard. Even coming back from Stainer, it was, it, was, it was hard. And I just was like, you know, Lord, I need to hear from you right now. I really need to hear from you. 
please speak to me. And boom, just, just a thought. As I was saying that, all I was thinking was, God, I just need you to help. It's like a thought that comes out of here and just comes right in front of your vision in your mind. Maybe you've had things like that when a thought comes out of the blue, boom. And it was First Timothy, like that. Like, okay, um, I'll read First Timothy. And uh, I, I, I was looking through First Timothy, and I came to um, chapter 2. And it says this, I urge that supp- prayers, supplications, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. I was like, it just jumped out at me. The first part that jumped out was the peaceful life. I need to pray to get there. I haven't prayed. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I wasn't praying. I'm praying for the ministry. Anoint the preaching, Lord. Bless the people. Make your name great as I preach. Yeah, yeah, I'll pray those prayers. But for the family, I just forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Okay. And so I did that. And I'm continuing to do that. And you know what? Peace is returning. Peace is returning. In one, well, it, it, it returned in a funny way. Our kids got sick, so now they're quiet. So it's, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. It's not the best way, but thank you, Lord. I guess that works. <laughs> uh, that's why they're not here. They're, we've got a couple of sick ones at home. But they're quiet, so. Um, but it just showed me that God wants to be in every circumstance of my life. No matter how little it seems to me, no matter how little it may seem to you, or how, you know, would God actually listen to me in this circumstance? Absolutely. He wants that. He wants you to turn to him, to seek him. And so church, I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe you are going through a difficult time right now, Maybe you are going through a season that is very difficult. Maybe the Lord has already given you a rhema word for a season, for this trial that you're facing right now. I want to encourage you, take it up like a sword and fight every accusation of the enemy. And it works. God's word is true and it does not return void. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, you are so good, God. You are good. Your mercy, your grace, your love, your favor, all those great things that come from you, they endure forever. And God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. Genesis to Revelation, the inspired word of God. We thank you for that. We thank you that it is profitable for us for teaching, training, rebuking, correcting, for all life and godliness, Lord. You have it for us, for our good. We thank you. God, I pray that as we seek after you today, this week, moment by moment, in the morning, when we give our time to you, Lord, would you speak to us that rhema word to encourage, to equip, to empower your people 
to live the life that you've called us to live. It is impossible to do it on our own strength, Lord. But you've given us all the tools, all the armor. All of it comes from you. So would you download all those things upon us now? Holy Spirit, come. Equip, empower your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great uh, day. Have a great week.